Hello, and welcome to episode 117 of The Winning Agenda. My name is Jesse Marshall, and I'm here with a very special guest this week. We have the one, the only, the new lead designer and developer. Well, perhaps not that new, but new as far as we know, Michael Boggs. How are you, Michael? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? We're really well. Also joining me um, to ask some questions of Michael and hopefully enlighten a few of you as to what Michael's approach will be to the game that we all love. I have Wilfred E. Horig. Yes, it's me again. I hope no one um, forgot about my existence. That wouldn't be so good. That would be unfortunate, yes. No. Uh, and all the way, it would be very unfortunate, and all the way from the UK once more, Dave Hoyland. Hi, guys. Welcome. Uh, so, Michael, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule, which has included talking to so, so many people over the last couple of weeks from the Android Netrunner community. Uh, so thanks for coming on, and it's great for us thanks to see... Thanks for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And it's great for us to see you um, engaging with the community in the same way as your predecessor, Damon, did. I think that was a really great hallmark of his tenure. Oh, I agree. I agree. I always loved watching uh, interviews with Damon. Um, Lucas, too, whenever he would do them. But, but uh, I, I definitely appreciated the, the, um, just the frequency that Damon would talk with people. And, and I'm, I'm more than happy to keep that up. Oh, that's fantastic. It's really good to hear. Uh, so, Michael, we have a few questions for you today on a variety of topics. And just to sort of lay them out there for our listeners first up to give you a sort of table of contents for this episode so it doesn't become too rambly, as I'm sure it still will. Um, but a bit of context, what we'd like to talk to Michael about today is his general philosophy uh, in designing Netrunner cards and card games, um, the, the factions in the game and how he wants to see their strengths and weaknesses emphasized uh, and what particular way he wants to go at doing that. Uh, rotation and other tournament topics, MWL, um, how Michael wants to see the tournament metagame evolve, and then some questions about the future of the game, um, you know, big boxes and all, all that sort of thing. So um, we might kick off with your general philosophy, Michael. Um, could you just talk to us a little bit about how you approach in Netrunner, which is a game of limited resources, as all games are, how you approach distributing access to those resources, particularly access to accelerated resources, that is card draw credits um, and other resources that are important in the game, how you distribute those amongst the factions and how you'd like to see that occur? Uh, I think that um, every, every faction needs one way or another to get those resources because they are so important to winning the game. Um, when one faction specializes in, in getting one specific resource and the other factions um, have that as their weakness, it usually gives the faction that specializes, it usually gives them a the huge advantage. So I think everyone in their own way kind of needs to be able to collect up resources, but I think doing so in different manners is really important to give distinction between the, the different... Um, identities and play styles and whatnot mm. um are there any, so are there any I, cards, I think like taking card draw as an example are there any cards on the corp side that you think demonstrate drawing cards or having access to cards in different ways among the factions at the moment um let me think i'm trying to like say election day in wayland is that a sort of subsidiary non like nbn is the main card draw faction but is that the sort of thing you mean when you say that having access to 
card draw that's not really efficient but still gets you new cards? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty good example. I think I think every every faction needs something like that to a certain extent. Um, even uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of blanking right now. That's okay. Even gaining gaining credits, I feel like um, uh, uh, Sundu yep. is a, uh, a very to me. It's always felt like a very Gentechy card. It fits within replicating perfection, and it kind of plays off of what the runner is doing. Um, and then you kind of see that again later in, in Polana, where it's like playing off of the actions of the runner. Um, so that's, that's one way that, that Jinteki kind of gains their resources is playing off the runner. NBN seems to get their resources off of, uh, just sort of like, you know, picking and choosing. They draw stuff, they put things on the bottom that they need. Um, or sometimes they'll even do things off of the runner's hand, for instance, with, uh, Sweep Sweep. So they play with that a little bit. Everybody's kind of got their own, way of, of doing that stuff, but I think that needs to definitely continue, because as, as soon as one faction becomes better at drawing cards, like, uh, tangibly better, a little bit better is fine, having having a little more efficiency is fine, but once it's a big gap, like, I think that, that can cause a lot of problems, the other factions start to fall behind, uh, because everyone, at the end of the day, needs those resources. Yeah, I think that's, that's something... Yeah, sorry, Dave, you you go ahead. Cheers. Do you think that that's something that's happened quite already? So, um, MBN mainly is kind of got a lot of the good card draw, um, and MBN has been at the top of the competitive meta game for quite a while. So, I totally understand that. Obviously, um, you know, everyone's got their own kind of theme. But do you think that kind of what MBN's got so far has probably been so far and above? Kind of, I guess, the curve for other card draw that it's it's that's what's kind of given them the boost to be at the top of the competitive meta. I think it definitely has helped. I think, uh, like, uh, Cincy Actors Union, as an example, I think having cards like that that let you really speed up um, the uh, the number of cards that you're getting, and also the number of, they're they're picking and choosing. They get to put the cards that they don't want. Um, away for, for later use. So I think any sort of thing like that, it's not a bad effect to have in the game, uh, but it's a it's an effect that in some ways needs to be more prevalent. That is somewhat NBN's thing, but yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, having, having card advantage is always such a huge thing in any sort of card game. Mm. Um, and the fact that, that NBN has sort of specialized that in so long, I think has really helped with their dominance. Going forward, I, I think that we definitely do need to see a few more um, abilities like that for other factions, just to sort of open up that design space. But at the same time, like you don't want to, you don't want to close the specialties that some factions have. So it's kind of a tricky balance there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess something we've, but I we've spoken about in the past is separating out those, um, in terms of color pie, those generic game resources such as cards and, mm-hmm. and credits from the more specialized faction identities such as, and by that I mean, don't mean identity cards, I mean identity generally, uh, things like net damage and Jinteki, which I, I don't think any of us would suggest should be you know shared e- even semi-equally across all the factions. But do you sure. see there is a, dis- do you view there, there being a distinction between those core game mechanics and the more specialized faction identity mechanics? Such as types of damage. Uh, oh yeah, I, I definitely think uh, there there are there are specialties there. Like uh, for instance, 
HB is really good at taking things out of archives and sort of re recycling things. I think going forward, that probably needs to stay a, a predominantly HB thing. There should be a couple of effects like that available to others, but that should kind of be something that HB can do relatively well. Mm. Net damage should be Jinteki's thing. Uh, landing the tags and doing the tag storm type of stuff should be uh, NBN's thing. Just any of those, the more, I guess, uh, niche gameplay styles, those need to be focused on specific factions because as soon as those start to bleed over, then all the factions just kind of feel the same. But anything that's related to gaining resources, because the game is so, you know, it's, 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 it is, it's a game about resources. If you, if you don't have your resources, you're not going to be able to do anything. Um, and the, the clicks and the cards and the credits, those are all things that, that every single faction needs, but they need to be able to get them in different ways. They need to, they all need them, but they have to kind of, they have to be separate in how they're acquiring those resources. Okay. I think That's it's, a really um, interesting distinction. I was going to say, I think it's, um, when, when it comes back to the card draw thing, I think if you look on the runner side where, Shaper draws more cards, whereas Criminal can kind of doesn't draw more cards, but gets to kind of pick the cards that they want. So it's got kind of sure. uh, effects like Mr. Lee and Express Delivery. Um, so I think that uh, MBN seems to have ended up with card draw and card filtering, which is probably yeah. what I think has put them at the top of the meta game for quite a while. So. I think that definitely has helped. But I mean, even if you look at Criminal and Shaper, Criminal eventually got to Drug Dealer, which is a card that I run in most of my Criminal decks. Uh, you're, you're drawing cards, which is historically not a Criminal thing to do, but at the same time, you're losing something for it. So you're getting one resource that you need, but you're kind of sacrificing the other resource that you're really good at. I've always enjoyed that card because like, it, it feels... It's always felt to me very Criminal-y or Criminal-esque. Um, it's like, I'm, I'm getting the resource that I need, at a cost. Right, but I'm doing it in a way that's at a cost, exactly. Whereas, uh, like, Shaper, they can just kind of get the cards whenever they need them, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay that sometimes some factions have to sacrifice a little bit more, um, as long as it sort of fits thematically and it's fun, and they have other avenues to get other resources, then I think it usually balances itself out. But when one or two factions are almost totally locked out of getting those resources, then I think it, it really creates those imbalances. Are there any uh, effects within factions that you think are really interesting, perhaps highlighted on a few, a few cards or one or two cards that you'd like to see given more air in the future? Um, actually, one card that I've always loved is, uh, I, I really like the idea of I've Had Worse, where you take the damage or when it's trashed due to a certain instance, you get to do an effect off of that. Mm -hmm. It's not really something we've seen very much throughout Netrunner, and I think it'd be something, um, that would be cool to explore later on. Um, I don't know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of those, like, very specific abilities that have just never really turned into much. Um, and I, I'd like to explore a lot of them more. HB with their brain damage stuff. I mean, HB has always kind of had brain damage, but it's never been a competitive level thing. It's never been on the same level that meat damage has or uh, net damage has. It's it's usually much much harder to pull off brain damage, which is fine because the brain damage, the you know the the hand size loss is permanent. 
Um, so it, it shouldn't be as prevalent, but at the same time, like, I think it would be cool if there, there could be some, like, really viable brain damage decks. I've played against a few that are, like, really solid decks, but at the end of the day, like, it, it, they'd probably just be more efficient if they ran a different style, if they did something else, instead of trying to focus so heavily on that, compared to, like, looking at something like, the, uh, um, Personal Evolution, who I, I I love running personal evolution decks, and every time I play against them, like I, I very much have to tweak my style of, of play because if I don't, like there's a there's a really good chance that I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna hit the wrong snare at the wrong time or whatever. Brain damage doesn't quite have that bite, so I think there I think there's a lot of little things that could definitely be explored um, that sort of have counterparts that do really well, but they themselves don't quite stand up and if they just had a couple more cards or a couple more things in place, um, they could be really fun to play. And one more question before I throw to the other guys on factions, and that is Wayland, uh, which has had a, a bit of a, a troubled history over the past couple of years in competitive tournaments anyway. Um, when we're talking about distribution of mechanics and color pie, it didn't really come up. And beyond meat damage, firstly, beyond meat damage, do you see Wayland having another identity at the moment? And if you do, is that something you'd like to emphasize? Secondly, we've seen advancement counters in the red sand cycle are going to be a pretty big thing. Um, and it looks yeah. like they might finally see the light of competitive, the uh, competitive light of day. Um, is there another sort of direction that you'd like to see Wayland go in beyond that in terms of mechanics? I think um, I think yeah, Wayland Wayland de- dealing with meat damage has always been their thing. Having the advanceable ice, even though it's never been all that common, uh, I think like I think some cards that you know that are rolling out now and that we might see in the future, I think they're definitely going to bring about um, some pretty exciting developments there. Um, I also like the public agendas. I think public agendas are awesome. They're so fun. Having that, like, just having Whalen put down the information and saying, I know you can see this, but you got to figure out if you can get to her or not. That feels like a very Whalen thing to me. Like, I don't care if you know what I'm doing, because I'm just going to score out anyways, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't, you can't get into my servers. So, uh, I think big ice, big, powerful, advanceable ice is a Whalen thing. Uh, meat damage is punishment is a, is a, is a very Whalen thing. Um, I think having the public agendas is a very Whalen thing. I think, um, let's see, what else? You know, Waylon is, is, is typically the, the faction that's, uh, the one that's supposed to get all the money, but if they were that faction, then the other factions wouldn't be any fun to play because you wouldn't have any money with them. So mm. that one's kind of a tricky one. I think, like, I think they need to have a lot of, like, burst economy options. They need to have a lot of ways to sort of, like, shoot their economy up when they're down. But I don't know if they should, over the course of a game, I don't think they should necessarily have better sustained economy, because if they do, then, the, you know, the, the other the other factions are just going to be basically poor. They'd have to be poor in comparison for, for Wayland to be able to do that. Um, On that note, I don't know, uh, like, yeah, hasn't there's... really received a new economy card that's seen play since the course. Sure. Really. Um, Jesse, is that something because... that you'd like to see change? Yeah, I, that's, that, like thematically they they are the, they're like the richest faction yeah. they own the beanstalk everything that goes up and down you got to pay money for it but they yeah they 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 def- i think it would be cool to have more cards like that in the future to have more cards that that give them this burst economy they can maybe shoot from 
zero credits to 10 credits, no problem, but uh, maybe they would suffer somewhere else in their economic game or, or, or in their sustained economy. Maybe they'd have some problems there. Um, they also, I also think that uh, some stuff that we're seeing with, with uh, Jemison, with the forfeiting stuff is pretty cool, and um, bad pub publicity. That's always kind of been a Wayland-esque thing. Other factions have it, but Wayland seems to have it a little bit more. So I think there's a lot of avenues to explore, but um, it's just... I, I As a player, I always felt like Wayland had a lot of pieces that never quite fit together. Um, whereas a lot of the other factions had a lot of pieces, and some of those pieces fit together really, really well. So I'm hoping as things move forward, and I, and I think with Red Sand specifically, I think, like, from what I've seen, it will definitely sort of um, pull these things in and, and make them stick a lot better than they have previously. Great. Uh, other guys, jump in. Um, okay. Gonna... Oh, sure. Dave, you go first. Um, so I've got a question. Um from uh, the current uh, reigning world champion, so I think that's a good one to start with. Um, so he wants to know a bit about your kind of uh, design philosophy when it comes to problem cards or problem decks archetypes. Um, so he wants to know a bit about how you think um, is the best way of dealing with those sort of kind of problem cards or decks. So um, is it you think that they should be dealt with by new cards coming out? So whether they be kind of like hate cards or silver bullets, um, most wanted list changes, um, or kind of erratas or bans, or do you think that there should be kind of a natural evolution of a meta? Um, so where, you know, opposing decks are just generally kind of slowly buffed? Uh, I think maybe, I guess, a little bit of everything. I would say that if, if, if there are if if there are problem cards and they are really warping the game, um, they could always go on the MWL. That's always a possibility. They could also always be eroded. Uh, usually, an errata is saved for um, something that was like that was forgotten on the card, or maybe like a, a rules clarification or something like that. It's I, I think uh, we generally don't tend to errata stuff just due to power level, but it's not something that we wouldn't do um, if, if it was necessary. Uh, but I think, you know, the best solution is to sort of let games or let things evolve in a natural way. But you need to sort of push things in that direction sometimes. So if I, if I see a, a card that is really warping, like if you look at Scorched Earth, it was very dominant there for a long time, it was very powerful. Then Plast Greek came out. Um, which was, you know, very much a hate card. I don't like the idea of hate cards all that much because they're like, I would never put Plaskreed in my deck because I wouldn't face that many corpse that were running Scorch there for the longest time. But then at the same time, when I wouldn't put that in my deck, I would sort of regret it. I wouldn't have it there because I'd be like, oh, that's a wasted card slot. And then I would die to a Scorched Earth and I'm like, crap, I need to put it in my deck now. So then I put it in my deck and then I wouldn't play any, any corpse with, with Scorched Earth. And it was just like this annoying back and forth. I think a better way to do it is sort of to have these, rather than having these specialized counters, have more of a broad, um, useful card. So something like Sports Hopper. Sports Hopper is not the best card in the world. It's not the most amazing card for drawing cards. Um, I like it in Geist, but outside of Geist, I normally wouldn't run it in most other decks. Uh, unless I was worried about running against Scorch. Then... 
I would probably throw in, personally, I would throw in a Sports Hopper over a Plaskreet, just because if I run into a deck that doesn't have Scorch, if I'm not facing it, I can still make use of Sports Hopper. And I think that's usually um, a more... I think it's usually a, a, a better design to, to go in that direction, to have cards that are sort of general purpose. Yes, it can hurt this strategy, but at the end of the day, that's not what it's only for. Yeah. Um, you mentioned I've had worse cards. That's a good example sure, as well, yeah. I think, of that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, the, the fact that you can draw cards off of it either way, I... I love that because at the end of the day, like I'm never wasting a deck slot. I have it's not as efficient as something like Diesel, but it's a really solid card still. I mean, it's you know you're 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 spending the credit on it to get the three. You're spending zero on Diesel to get the three. Um, but you know if you get scorched, you you're glad that you have that in your hand. Like that that definitely helps you out. So I think going that route is definitely a better solution than having silver bullets and i think offering those cards that do those little things here and there to sort of help counter those dominant play styles um those that's that's helpful and then letting things sort of evolve naturally is also sort of helpful you don't want to just sweep in and be like oh i don't like how things are working right now they need to change i think it needs to be more of like a um just a more fluid uh, shift of the meta instead of like a forced this needs to happen right now in most cases there might be a few um, instances where that would be necessary but I think that would be sort of a last resort type of thing if at all possible do you and or FFG have a, a particular kind of idea on what you want to do regarding um, either restricted or um, banned lists when it comes to networkers so obviously so far we've not really had any so um, is that a particular thing that you've been given any guidance on from FFG to say kind of don't really want it, we'd rather use the most wanted list, or do you, do you have any particular kind of thoughts on that as a kind of from a designing point of view? Yeah, I've actually talked about that quite a bit with people around FFG. I, I think a ban list is very, very, very unlikely to happen. It's just not something that FFG likes to do. Um, the, traditionally, they haven't really done it. I think the last time they might have done it was in the first edition of Game of Thrones, and that was like six or seven years ago. And since then, they've just, if there are problem cards, they usually try to figure out other ways to you know work around those cards instead of just saying, you can't play with that card anymore. Um, I think for the most part, I, I generally tend to agree with that. I think that completely cutting cards out, it can solve problems, but at the same time, like, I think it, it limits the number of options that players have. If you can somehow get around that card and weaken the card, but still make it playable, I, th I think that's a much better experience for everyone. Um, as far as a restricted list is concerned, in my mind, the MWL, in a way, kind of works as that. It's not quite as harsh as a restricted list, but uh, I think, um, you know, as we as we move on, like, I'm, I'm, I've been thinking a lot about the MWL, to be honest, and, and I think, um, I think we'll kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I think the MWL will kind of be effective as a restrictive list as, as we, as we move forward. I, I don't think there's any reason to necessarily have two lists. I think the MWL can, um, can do that work. I think I think it by itself can be fine, but 
I think as we move forward, um, we definitely need to sort of, I'll, I'll need to take a closer look at things and sort of explore different avenues. Um, before we continue with MWL, because we do have a few questions on that, we just wanted to ask you about the mini factions very briefly. Um, will they continue to be supported with new cards beyond the current cycle? And will there ever be more mini factions as far as, far as your uh, mindset of the game goes? Uh, I'll say that I, I really love all the mini factions, and I personally want to see them fleshed out more. I can't comment too much on uh, whether they'll necessarily receive cards or not, um, but I'll say that like there is definitely potential for them to. There's definitely potential for them, Good, you know, because you, you want more cards for the factions that you have, so... I think originally they were sort of designed to be like this uh, sort of self-contained data and destiny type of thing, but um, yeah, it's it's I I really like the mini factions and and I think that there's a lot of interesting things that can be done with them, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see, I guess. Sure. Um, and the other thing that we just wanted to quickly touch on before we go to NWL is rotation, and that's obviously coming up really soon uh, with the the first two cycles to be rotated out. Are there any card effects that you would like to see retained post-rotation that are currently in those first two cycles, um, or any that you would like to see return at some point in the future? Um, let's see, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, anything specifically. I mean, Jackson is the um, first one that comes to mind, and I guess our listeners would probably want us to mention that um, in terms of uh, Jackson, is it the, the current things that we've seen plus maybe a couple more that are coming that are going to replace the Jackson Howard effect? Or do you see there being... Some people have floated the idea of Corpse having a new game action where they can spend three clicks to shuffle their hand into their deck and draw that many cards or something like that. Is there a, a solution that you have for that inherent game problem of Corpse drawing too many agendas and not being able to do anything about it? Oh yeah, sure. I'm definitely. I, I that that definitely is a problem. I mean, I, I've run into that so many times as a player where you just get agenda flooded, and it's it's a bad feeling. And you you don't want people to have that feeling. I think being able to to shuffle things back into your deck and and to get those agendas back in there is important. Uh, as as time goes on, I, I think uh, we'll definitely see more effects that that do things like that. Um, maybe not to Jackson's efficiency. Because I love Jackson to death, but he was a highly, highly efficient card. Um, so maybe nothing quite on that level, but definitely more effects, you know, like that. This sort of let him, uh, or not, sorry, not let him, let the player, you know, get those agendas back and, and not necessarily be agenda flooded. Um, overall, though, I mean, aside from Jackson, off the top of my head, like, I think... Yeah, I, I think both of those those sets, I think both of those uh, those those cycles were very defining, and I think there are a lot of effects that we can kind of pull from there and sort of learn for, from. Um, I've always liked uh, Notoriety. I always thought that was a really interesting card because, like you, it really encourages interaction between both players. You have to run on all three servers, um, and you know that's not always the easiest thing to do. But if you can pull it off, you're rewarded for it. I've always thought that was sort of an interesting card. Um, I don't know, just sort of anything like that that has sort of encouraged um, a, a interactivity between players and also economy cards. I feel like you know those two sets had a lot of economy cards that were that have been very Katie Jones, for instance. She was such a um, a integral card for a long time. I think having stuff like that that is that is strong economy that really lets people 
build up the resources and, and, um, you know, make the runs that they need to make. Uh, those, those things are important. So mm. going forward, I, I, I don't think people should be too surprised if some of those types of effects are reintroduced, if some of those types of effects are used in a different format. Um, you know, the ones that weren't necessarily so powerful might be brought up power level a little bit. Some of those that were pretty strong might be brought down a little bit. But overall, at the end of the day, I think, I think people could probably expect to see some of the same design space explored as before, because some of those effects are just incredibly important to play the game efficiently. Does that include one other things one. like... Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Jesse. Right. Uh, does that include things like uh, three, two agendas? So, obviously, in the first uh, cycle, we got a lot of three, two um, agendas to kind of really buff out the um, agenda suite that the different corporations had. So... Some of them obviously have been said to be too powerful because they're three-two agendas with amazing effects, things like that. But do you have any thoughts on the return of three-two agendas? Um, I I don't know. I've I've actually been having this conversation a lot lately. Um, three twos are they're kind of tricky because I think having Agendas that can sort of pressure the 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 runner into constantly interacting with the corp. If you put it, if you put a three down, three two down on the table, uh, the runner always they they always have to say to themselves, "Is that an asset? Is that an agenda? Is that an upgrade? Should I run?" And I think that's very very much at the core of Netrunner. Um, just having that ability to force the runner to to make that decision on whether they should run or not. At the same time, though, I feel like out of all the agendas that are available, three twos are the ones that have the most um, possibility for abuse. Like, they're the ones that, if I'm building a deck, I almost always put as many three twos in my deck as I can, because why wouldn't I? They're usually considered the best agenda. Um, so, I don't know, it's, it's tricky. I think it's, it's something that I'll definitely have to work on as time goes on and kind of explore a little bit more and see playtest it. I'm not opposed to having more three twos and having three twos return, but I think um, I think it would be interesting if we sort of moved in the direction of having like a, um, a two for zero points or three for one point or four for two points or the three for fives. I think that's honestly it's a, it's a more balanced spread of agenda points, but then you have to sort of figure out how you're going to make that work because you know the. Three-point agendas historically have never been all that sought after. Four for twos until, um, you know, NAPD uh, contract and um, what's the newer one now? Corporate sales team. I mean, most other four for twos aren't that widely played. So um, I think it's, I don't know, I think it'll take a lot of tweaking and a lot of play testing. And it's just, it's something I have to explore a little bit more uh, before I can make any sort of tangible comments on it. Yeah, I think we'll that... Be, uh, sorry, Dave, go on. I was just going to say that I think that, you know, three twos, like you say, are very important for that never advanced style of Netrunner, which is definitely key to, to it. Um, and, you know, I, I think just taking them away is would probably be bad for the game. But at the same time, a lot of the ones which are um, currently in existence, many which will uh, rotate out, are probably have got a, a stronger effect than... Um, even the four twos, and that's probably why they see play. Sure. So it might be that um, I know, obviously, for you, it's just everything needs to be tested. But yeah, that's I think probably what 
it's been general feedback from the competitive community. I think. Yeah, I mean, the project cycle almost has more flexibility and more of an ability than most four for twos and other fi- and five for threes, which have sort of a static when scored or a, a click ability. Um, the ability to sure. over advance and then get some ongoing benefit is pretty massive. And for three for twos to have effectively the three for two ability of being able to be never advanced or fast advanced, plus this other ability if you have a wider scoring window, is <laughs> makes them amazingly good in a way that most other agendas aren't really. <laughs> Yeah, it really does. It really helps them quite a bit, and and I think we've we've sort of seen that uh, that explored a little bit in in the car the uh, what's it called merger the uh, neutral three for two that costs one influence, but then it gives the runner one additional point when it's in that score area. I think like I think both Damon and Lucas were very cognizant of the fact that you know three for twos are those are the agendas you want to play and I, I think they've, they've tried to sort of um, offer other options there and I think like going forward three for twos they need to not necessarily have like a bad effect like merger I've never seen anyone have merger in their deck um, just because it's it's so scary to have in there and it's taking your influence too but I think having three for twos that are not yeah not nearly as potent as, as previous ones have been I, I think that's probably the best way to go they could Three for twos could exist, but I, I think their power level needs to be brought down a bit so that four for twos and, and um, five for threes are, are still viable, that you still want to run those. And conversely, something we've often talked about on this show, and Wilfie, you might want to frame this question as well in a slightly different way, um, is the power level of those larger agendas and finding a way to make them a little more impactful and give them different abilities. Wilfie, did you want to add anything onto that question? Um... Yeah, I suppose the thing is that when you add more expensive agendas to your deck, there's two issues there. The first is that it increases the variance at which your opponent's acts, like it in- increases the variance of your opponent's accesses, firstly, and also it increases the time that you have to protect your remote for, both of which have traditionally been like one of the more difficult things for corps to deal with, corps that are trying to score out of remotes to deal with, just because so much of the runner's game is dedicated usually to shutting down the corps remote. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I, what I would you like to see agree. those agendas I, do, Wilfie? I guess, or, or what would you like Michael to think about? Oh, sure. Like, what sort? I would just think about like people. We've heard for a while that a lot of people say defensive abilities on 5 for 3s are the way of the future um and the 5 for 3s that we've seen that have been played traditionally have significantly powerful defensive abilities but i think that would would you say that your design philosophy is more in that vein or like a mix of that and making 5 for 3s or even bigger agendas with powerful abilities so that like how What's the design strategy for getting corps to play agendas given large agendas given these inherent risks, and has that changed sort of from the start of the game to maybe your design philosophy in the future? Yeah, I, I think that um, for me, I, I definitely, I've, I, I think five for threes need to have big, powerful effects. I think the the ones that we've seen that have been played are defensive effects. Um, uh, Global Food Initiative and um, the Future Perfect there for a long time. 
Um, I still even see people running the future perfect even now. Um, those those agendas, you know, having them be self-protected is awesome, but I think there are other things we can do as well. Just maybe having, like, huge on-score effects, something that you do in that, like, just really pushes the game forward in your favor. Maybe you score on an agenda and you gain 20 credits, or I don't even know. I mean, just just something really powerful that encourages you to, to um, not necessarily encourages you. Obviously, you want to score the agenda. You want to get the three points, but if you can pull that off, if you can defend your stuff and you can make that work, it's not going to slow you down. It's only going to speed you up. Because it, you know, keeping the agenda on the board and advancing it up to up to its its requirement is already hard enough. So having abilities that sort of help you bounce back for that, I think, are are very important. Um, and that's that's something that I've I've also thought a lot about too. Like I, I've I've been exploring that a little bit. Like it's 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 kind of um, I think it's it's something that's never really been explored all that much. Most five for threes have effects that are just like. You just want to play other cards, usually. The the five for threes don't do enough, and they are too risky to have in your deck. So I think there's a lot of potential there. I think there's a lot that we could do with them, and, and I think that, um, yeah, so, some of the, the agendas in the past, they just didn't quite make up for the weaknesses that they had. So um, hopefully we can tweak things and get people to start including more five for threes in their deck. Awesome. And one last question on um, rotation before we move on to NWL. I know Wilfie's got another one as well. So two more questions. Um, The first one is about Wizards, Solstice Slums, and Assets. Um, So you mentioned it's a mixture of two topics. One is rotation and one is Silver Bullets. Solstice Slums is an example of a Silver Bullet of sorts for Assets um, and for if there are particular types of assets that are giving you problems, cough, cough, industrial genomics, uh, bioethics <laughs> association, etc. Um, you sort of need to have solstice slums to answer that sort of asset spam strategy. And Wizard um, is about to rotate out and has been also a core part of runners being able to answer that asset spam strategy. And certainly to our eyes, it seems as though assets have had their trash costs designed with Wizard in mind <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, sure. Is is that going to be a problem going forward without Wizard runners sort of contesting assets and particularly contesting those asset spam decks? And are runners, or would you like to see runners have other options other than Solstice Slums to deal with that in terms of more permanently, but also economically, how are runners going to deal with that once Wizard's gone? Oh yeah, I, I think that um, I think that going forward without wizard is going to be it's going to be an interesting time um but i think that there are definitely coming coming down the line there are definitely going to be more options for runners things that they can do something like or things like uh scrubber just as an example um just little cards that give you these little effects maybe not as particular as 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 uh, scrubber um but just just things that sort of give you the ability to take care of assets um, those, those are definitely going to be more cards that we'll see in the future. It's also sort of been my design goal to make assets, and I'm talking slightly, but just overall a little bit cheaper than they have been historically because I don't want to, I, I don't want to live in a world where you just can't do anything about the 50 something servers that are on the board. You should always be able to take care of those. If you can manage your economy appropriately and, and make the runs when you need to, you should definitely be able to get rid of them. Um, so I think, I think seeing things like, um, seeing any sort of cards with, with trash costs higher than 
four is going to be a rarity. It's not that it will never happen, but it's these these like if 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 something has a trash cost of five, then it has to be a very very weak effect, almost an effect that you might not even bother with anyways getting rid of, but if you want to, you can. So the corp is playing down these weaker things, but they're well protective, well protected. If they start playing stronger things, then there's much more risk of those things getting trashed. So I think uh, those two combined together, offering more more options to players and, and uh, each individual each individual faction, sort of letting them take care of assets in different ways. I think that's important, but I also think making faction or uh, assets just a little bit cheaper um, is going to help things along too. And there's sort of there there definitely needs to be balances there to make sure that things are not overdone because i i actually like um asset heavy decks i've always enjoyed asset heavy decks i like i'm one of those players that really enjoys having 20 servers if i can get it um but i don't think that should be the only strategy out there i think there should definitely be multiple strategies and just here recently it's just it's been so hard to deal with that stuff without wizards so um it's something i've thought a lot about and i think I think uh, the the tools will be there. I, I don't think anyone should have to worry about that. Uh, there's going to be options. There's going to be more options than there than there were before. Awesome, Wilfie. Yeah. So my question is sort of relating back to the color pie um, segment that we were talking about earlier, um, and it has to do with your design strategy in the future. Like, of course, we know that rotation is basically the biggest change that's happened to Netrunner since the core set, and of course that has must have primarily influenced how the coming cycles, you know, let's say mostly one and two cycles into the future, after Red Sands, will be, will have been developed, but moving into the future as you sort of um, can sculpt the design of Netrunner to how you want, would you say that the focus in that period, the period that you have, you can speak about, will be on expanding the color pies so that the, um, as you said before, getting some of the underutilized effects to come out, like brain damage and HP, which is a part of the HP color pie, but not one which has been really significant in the past, or would you say that the focus is more on um, working within the effects that are common in order to replace the cards that will be lost to rotation, or like since rotation is going to be an ongoing thing, is the plan to sort of um, for the new cycles to fill in the gaps that were left when old cycles rotate, or do you want to move the game in, move the color pie? to have different effects be focused on as the game continues? Um, I think, I, I actually think a little bit of all that. I would say that the the way the factions play now and their distinctions, those, those are pretty set. And I think for me to come in and, and make any sort of major sweeping changes, if I, suddenly I was just like, well, Jinteki is the tag faction now, everybody would be like, oh, that's, you, no, you can't do that. It's it's Jinteki. They don't, they don't tag all that much. Um... But so I, I think things need to be there to reinforce uh, the the um, distinctions that they had, and I think like any sort of card that was was there before that just didn't um, quite play up to its <coughs> excuse me 
didn't quite play up. So uh, as an example, I'm actually looking at, at the list of cards right now. So from because I always forget which card is in which set. I I can never remember. Um, so something like uh, Hemorrhage. I've always liked Hemorrhage. I always thought it was a really neat card, being able to trash things from uh, the uh, from HQ just by running. I always thought that was neat, but I I mean, I don't know. In the metas that I played, I was the only person that ever played Hemorrhage, and I only played it for a little while. Um, and then I just realized that I'd prefer to have another medium in my deck, and <laughs> that's what I did instead. Um, so I, I think going forward, like, any, any sort of effect like that, that was, like, not all that prevalent, that didn't have a huge... Uh, that was sort of within the faction, but it didn't have any sweeping um, sweeping decks built around it or any, any sort of like real tangible style built around it. I think those are things to explore. So more, maybe more brain damage stuff, uh, maybe more <coughs> maybe more of like making the, the corp trash things. I think that's very anarchy to make them trash things. At the same time, anarchs seem to like to do things that sort of hurt themselves. I think that's kind of cool. Um, we could explore that a bit more. I think uh, maybe having effects in criminal for instance that like a copycat i always wanted to run copycat the one that lets you jump between ice but i could never make it work i think that should be a criminal thing where you're sort of zipping in between servers and sort of jumping between things that you shouldn't really be able to jump between that that's that's criminally like it's they're sort of the sneaky ones they're the ones that get in and around things and and bypass stuff and and hop you know around um, I think, you know, that, that's, that's a huge design space to explore. I think there are a lot of areas. I think there are a lot of, uh, things that we can do. We can kind of look back at, at the older cards and, and kind of see what worked and what didn't. And if something didn't work and it was sort of this niche faction, in faction ability, I think, I think it definitely has potential to be explored and expanded upon. And, um, and I think there's, yeah, it's, it's kind of an exciting time for me because I have, I don't think there's a better time for me to come into the game. Honestly, it's it's sort of an interesting time, but it I have a lot of freedom with what I want to do. The fact that old cards are are going out and and I get to make all these new cards to replace them, and and I very much want each faction to be distinct, and I want them to have um, just these really cool little and big things that you know you can you can immediately pick up as soon as you pick up that faction. Uh, and I want I want there to be a variety of options. I love building new decks, and I love sort of uh, you know trying different play styles. And and I want as many play styles as I can make viable. I want those viable. I want those to be um, just you know interesting interesting parts of the game. So uh, yeah, I mean it's I don't know. I feel like I rambled there for a second. Right. I apologize, but. I think there's kind of I think there's a lot that that can be done there. Um, I think I think the rotation can be used to reinforce things that we lost, um, but it can be used to expand things that were never quite um, as prevalent as maybe they should have been or could have been. That's a great answer. Thank you. Um, so we might move on now to tournaments, tournament meta games, and the and the MWL in particular, as well as some other subsidiary issues. So the MWL was sort of updated every six months, the first couple of times, and since then has dropped off a little bit. And we understand that there's been obviously a, a transition from Damon to yourself, and all of that takes time. Um, going forward, do you see MWL updates being something a little more structured, um, particularly as people who play in competitive tournaments we like to know what's on the horizon and having some sort of structured timeline for mwl updates really helps to facilitate testing and things like that 
Sure. Yeah, I, I think um, I think the 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 main reason that Damon had it set at six months is because usually a new cycle comes out around every six months or so, um, and I think that um, w- my plan is to look at the MWL every three to four months. Whether it will be updated then is sort of dependent on how the meta is looking. I might look at it and be like, oh, there are definitely some cards that need to go on. I might look at it and be like, it's fine for now. We can wait another three months and kind of see what happens. Um, but I, I plan to keep an eye on it pretty frequently. And I totally agree. I, th- I think players want to know as soon as possible when things are coming like that. Because, you know, you want to practice for, for tournaments and make sure that your decks are competitive. And you don't want to be hit at the last second, um, you know, totally caught off guard when you're about to go and, and play some big games. So um, it's something that I'm, I'm, I've been thinking a lot about since I started. Um, and it's, I think people can kind of expect to see stuff relatively soon. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's. I, I can't promise that it'll change every three or four months, but I, I will be looking at it every three or four months. So if you're going to um, look at it every three or four months, would you consider having a structure similar to what um, another games company that makes a competitive card game does, where they have a date for an announcement every so often, uh, and even if the announcement is no change, they make an announcement on that date? Please say yes. Uh, that's... <laughs> Actually, interesting. Yeah, I, I could definitely see where that would be beneficial. Um, the MWL, a lot of what goes, you know, on there comes off there or whatever. That's uh, most. Of that's my decision. But sort of how that's presented is not necessarily my decision. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that's a really good idea. And I've heard similar things. People mention similar things. So I definitely think it's an idea that's out there and that a lot of people want. Um, I can talk to the people in charge about it and kind of see what they think, but I don't, I don't see why anyone would necessarily be opposed to that. I, I, that's, that seems like it's only a a positive. I don't really see a lot of negative there. So, um, I can't promise one way or another, but I think that's a really, really good idea. Awesome. Uh, Dave, did you have a question on the NWL? So I think he's kind of answered part of it because, um, one of the things which was kind of key for me was um, there's always quite a lot of speculation about you know when a new most wanted list is going to come out, and what Jesse was saying about having a specific date was uh, kind of I guess very important to a lot of people in the com- competitive community. So um, because if there's rumour that one's about to come out, well for people who are very competitive focused, there's not a huge amount of point in like building or testing new decks because they probably they might not even be um, competitive or legal by the time that actually the next big tournament comes out, or on the flip side of that, um, the meta might have completely changed because of the new most wanted list. So um, I think I'm just probably reinforcing what uh, Jesse was just, and you were just saying there about uh, like how beneficial a uh, a release date for most wanted lists would be. Yeah, I think that um, I think it's something I could I could talk to organized play about. Um, I I wouldn't imagine there'd be a lot of resistance there because that really only makes sense. Um, it's something I haven't really thought of much before other people mentioned it, but it's it's pretty logical. Like, uh, yeah, just make a make a release. Say we're not changing anything, or we are changing something. Here's what they are. I think everyone would appreciate that. So, I'll, yeah, I'll talk to those that um, that are in charge of, of those decisions and uh, 
maybe we can get something like that implemented. Awesome. Thanks, the only um Oh, sorry, so, Dave, you go on. Yeah, uh, the only other question I had about most wanted list was, um, do you think that as we add more cards onto the most wanted list, um, do you think we're ever going to get to the point where um, the best deck, the most competitive deck, could actually be just cards off the most wanted list? So... You know, at the moment, so there's a lot of uh, Anarch cards on there, which are quite powerful. Um, and I've seen people who are experimenting with decks which are just cards off the most wanted list, even if that takes them kind of over their effective influence because of the uh, minimum of one rule. Um, do you think that's likely to be something that it becomes a problem or and it's something you've thought about at all? Yeah, that actually is something I've talked a lot about. Um, I think that could be a big issue. I think that could be a big problem, and it's I'm uh, I've been exploring ways to sort of handle that. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't mind people playing monocolor decks if that's what they want to play, but that should not be the most efficient deck. Like you should, people should want to splash things. It's exciting to bring in out of faction stuff. So. Um, and I, I think it also helps the game because if there's just one faction that has all the necessary tools, then um, you know it's 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 definitely not a good situation to be in. I think so, I think what Dave's um, question is also getting at, Michael, is that in the current most wanted list, your influence can't be reduced below one by most wanted list reductions. Yeah, yeah. So you could have thirty influence worth of most wanted list cards in your deck potentially. Sure. You could just include all the Faust and the Parasites and just everything together. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I, I don't, I mean, that totally defeats the purpose. That totally defeats the purpose of the most wanted list. So it's it's something I've thought about, and it's something I discussed a lot about. Uh, we'll just kind of have to see how things play out down the road, but it's it's something I'm, I'm very aware of. Okay. Cool. And on that note, uh, we're just going to wrap up for this week because we do have some more questions for Michael, but uh, we don't want to have this episode go on and on and on forever. So we'll be back next week with a follow-up with Michael. Uh, episode 118 will also feature the great Michael Boggs. So thanks, Michael, for coming <laughs> on. And we'll talk to you again next week with a few more questions. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. <laughs>